You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome one and welcome all. It is Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. It is 8.03 p.m. Central Standard Time, and apparently that is too late for some of our most loyal listeners and viewers. It is time for this week's Blogging the Boys Roundtable. You can watch us live on the Blogging the Boys YouTube channel or the Blogging the Boys Twitch channel. You can always catch the rewatch uh, on these particular platforms at your own convenience, or you can listen to the show at your own convenience on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. If you don't want to see our faces, we do take offense if that is the case. Make sure to subscribe to the Blogging the Boys podcast network. Wherever you get your podcasts, if you see, listen, hear, watch, or read any Blogging the Boys content anywhere in this or any other galaxy, uh, you are familiar with the work of myself. I am Arjo Ochoa, and going in clockwise order, he was first here tonight, Tony Catalina. Tony, you look like it is a frigid 31 degrees outside right now. You're not far off. It's, you know, it's probably a give or take a degree or two there, but not far. How's your uh, your pellet heater thing working out? I mean, that's, that's life for me. A pellet stove has been a, a lifesaver. All right. Um, I have a pellet grill, and I was encouraged to get one by our second panelist here tonight. It is David Howman. Uh, I don't know if the turkey leg that Dak Prescott is eating behind you was smoked on a pellet grill. Uh, but either way, what do you think of your pellet grill? What do you think of Dak's turkey leg? And what do you think of this evening? Yeah, well, I mean, I love my pellet grill. Uh, it, it absolutely gets me through the week, through the month, and made a lot of good food on there. Um, love the turkey leg that Dak pulled out of the the red kettle. I, I especially appreciate the fact that it was wrapped. You couldn't tell that at first. I thought he just like somebody stuck it down there at the bottom. And I was like, that's got to be disgusting. So I was happy to find out later they did bag it up and, and wrap it appropriately. Yeah, uh, it was well done. You're right. I think at first it looked kind of concerning. Um, like, I think we were all kind of worried, like, has this been there the entire game? Um, you know what I mean? Like, that would be kind of gross. Um, I actually, I, I thought maybe it was like a plastic leg and he just like committed to the bit. Uh, but either way, uh, good to know that everything was done in a sanitary and, uh, and healthy um, kind of standpoint. Uh, Danny Phantom, it is the third week in a row that all four of us are here together. Uh, you have talked about, was it macaroni salad? Um, and not brought any. Uh, did you have any, though, on Thanksgiving Day? I had quite a bit of macaroni salad, I will say this. And um, and I will say, I, told, I agree with Halman about the, I thought that was disgusting when I first saw it too. But I haven't seen something that disgusting since last week's roundtable when those guys wolfed down their, their food. So... Uh, only one of us whooped it down. Tony yeah. had like he ate like one in twenty minutes. Tony, there was some chatter um, on the internet about your failure last week. Yeah. Um, do you have anything to say for yourself one week post not Devil Day completion? Well, like you said, I had a dozen. So by the time you accepted the challenge, that was up to you. This, this there were completely six of them left. Your decision. I already, had, <laughs> I already had a half dozen before he was like, "All right, go ahead and race." I'm like, "There's no way I can eat more than one more of these right now." Um, so, uh, as we address the chat, because we were here tardy and I'll let everybody know, kind of pull back the curtain. My computer freaked out 
And um, it's a tight week because the Cowboys play on Thursday night football this week. So it's always weird for us because all of our content gets kind of shifted around. Um, Wednesday, we will be launching this week's episode of the NFC, uh, the NFC East Mixtape on our YouTube channel, as well as this week's Madden simulation. So I'm actually running it behind everyone. Uh, so we'll see uh, how Madden has the Cowboys doing this particular week. Uh, but the chat was all excited because we were late. And Chris Halling is here. And Kevin called him out. And Chris, hiding in the chat. Did they not let you play today? Chris, um, you have an open invitation. You know that. Chris said, I didn't think I would be available tonight, but last second plan switched things up. I will be spectating tonight, coming back for the throne soon. Tony, Chris likes to talk about how he's going to beat you at these things, but Chris, I love you. It doesn't feel like uh, that ends up winding to be the case. I, I, I'll let you tell it. I'm glad you said that, not me. Uh, there's a lot of here we go uh, happening here. Howman. Is the here we go thing cool? Like, I feel like I haven't seen enough t-shirts or, um, you know, merchandise. Like, I would feel like the Cowboys themselves would have had something with that at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think they need to bring Ben DiNucci back into the fold just to get that kind of apparel going. But I like it. I think it's funny. I, I've, I've seen some really good jokes out there on Twitter with the here we go. So uh, it, it's it's been a fun little catchphrase to catch on here. Yeah, Danny, I mean... Jerry Jones had the Zeke who thing ready, like after they signed the extension. Like, again, I'm just kind of surprised that like, you know, they don't have a single piece of merchandise available around. This. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. I mean, I, I saw it was one of their little uh, things they did to have everybody kind of do it through right. Thanksgiving. And I thought that was pretty, pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that you if you're a Cowboys fan, you absolutely love it. I'm sure everybody else is annoyed with it. Um, but, you know, I, I don't care. So. Um, okay, well, so as we get started here tonight, we have a lot to get to, um, including some here we go discussion about Dak Prescott, but I do have a bit of a surprise for everybody. I promise I planned this ahead of time, even though I was late, so it's not like me making it up to y'all. Um, which one of you three plays the most video games? I'm going to guess Tony. Is that fair to say? I really don't know. I just do my hand up because I play. I, I can but... tell you who plays the least. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Tony, are you um, are you like a, a Call of Duty player? Is that like a, a cup of tea of yours? No, I, I honestly, I pretty much stick to like a lot of sports games. I mean, I'm pretty vanilla, but that's kind of my speed. I'm with you. I'm not great at these games, so I don't really dabble myself. Uh, but as I understand, the audience can correct me if I'm wrong. Every now and then, um, there will be certain weekends with these kinds of games that are double points, uh, where obviously everything you do is worth double. It is a double points night here on the Blogging the Boys Roundtable. Everything you do is worth double. That means everything that the chat offers you is worth double. So chat, we don't need you to do the double. I will handle the math on my end. If you want to award five points, there's no reason that you have to award 10. I will hand out the 10. So be normal. Be straight up with how you want to hand out the points to these contenders here tonight. Chris Holling, you managed to miss double points tonight. These things come around once in a blue moon. Uh, Howman, do you feel like this is an advantage or a disadvantage for your particular game? Um, I don't know if it's an advantage. I just think uh, maybe we might be breaking the record for most uh, most points for a champion. So that's exciting. That's true. Uh, I don't know what the record is. I think it's in the like 190s. Uh, so if either of you, any of you hits 200, uh, we'll see how things go. Well, to be fair, sometimes you give up 50 points for eating something. So I mean, <laughs> You know what, Danny Phantom? I'm going to give you five points, which is worth 10, which means oh. now you have 16 points. Uh, the total as it stands right now, Tony 14, Howman 20, Danny 16. As you see, things are going to climb really fast around here on double points night. Uh, I don't see anybody handing out points since I have... Um, noted that oh nicholas frank with a great question is it double minus points too you know what nicholas why the hell not i mean if it's double it's double so if you deduct five points i will take away 10 from each particular round table that's only fair right tony 
It is. I mean, that's, you know, let's play the game. Uh, Kevin notes, by the way, if, just to know if you guys don't break the record, it is bad tonight. Some people would offer Danny Phantom that is bad no, no matter what because Shaquille Leonard visited the Dallas Cowboys on Tuesday afternoon, did not sign with them, left without a contract, and is now headed to the city of brotherly love to visit with the Eagles. So, of course, DEFCON 1 on the Twitter streets. The Cowboys suck. They can't close. Of course, he'd rather play for the Eagles. Howie Roseman is a genius. Howie Roseman is, is the GOAT. How are you feeling about this? I mean, I'm feeling the same. I mean, this is just business as usual for the Cowboys. I mean, I don't know that if any of us had any huge expectations as far as, you know, this this signing. And I think a lot of us have a lot of apprehensions about it because uh, we really don't know what what type of player that, you know, Shaq Leonard is. I do think Philly is just a better fit for him. I mean, they have a, a stronger need, especially with the recent hamstring injury to Zach Cunningham. And, you know, he can go in there and he can, he's going to play. Uh, where I'm not sure where he fits in exactly with the Cowboys, you know, because we got the young guys that they're they're playing well. And so I just think it, it just makes more sense for him to go to Philly. I just don't think the Cowboys' interest is going to be as much as some of the Cowboys' fans' interest is. And when you look at all that, I think you put all that together, and I just feel like it's it was never going to happen, you know, if it doesn't. And it, it just looks more like he'll end up signing for, for the Eagles. I will say this, too. And the, the, the biggest thing is – the, the thing that I would, the reason I would want him is because, I mean, I'm perfectly happy with our young guys, but I am worried that just, we just don't have anything after that. Like Rashawn Evans has been fine, but if you look at like teams like it, uh, the, 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 the top running teams, the ones that run the ball the most, and you, you know, you got Atlanta, which we could end up seeing in the postseason and Philly's right behind them. And, and, you know, the, the McCaffrey and the Niners, and the, you got a lot of teams that could really uh, be strong in the running game. And then, if we lose one of those guys, Damone Clark goes down, for example, and then we have to rely on on our smaller guys. That that part concerns me. I wish that the Cowboys did have a little more depth, but am I do I care really one way or another with Shaq Leonard? No. Mm. But Chris notes, by the way, in the chat that the Eagles did open up a roster spot today, which Hellman would suggest that it is time for High Roseman to make his move. Kevin took away five points, which is 10 points from Danny Phantom tonight, saying Dallas is paper thin at linebacker. We have as strong of a need as anyone in the league. Do you agree with this statement, Hellman? I have to disagree at the risk of also losing 10 points. Um, <laughs> but, I, I mean, Marquise Bell has played phenomenally. He has been really, really good. Um, and also, Damone Clark for that matter, has been also really good. Um, you've also got Rashawn Evans, who they've been gradually kind of working in on the defense a little bit. Uh, and he's also a first former first-round pick. When he and Shaq Leonard were in the same draft, you know, teams all had him ranked above Leonard. They drafted him above Leonard. Um, you know, and, and now one of them's on the Cowboys, one of them's a free agent. And the Colts didn't just cut Leonard out of nowhere. I mean, there was a reason. His, his play has declined. He hasn't had the health. Um, so like, you know, these guys are available for a reason at this point. It's not like he's coming in and is, is going to be that first team all pro that he was earlier in his career in Indianapolis. And, uh, I, I tweeted this out earlier today is the Cowboys have two, de two defenders on their team, Stefan Gilmore and Malik Hooker, who played with him in Indianapolis. They obviously know him well. Dan Quinn is really close with Colts defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley. I'm sure that he's talked with Gus Bradley to get kind of a, uh, inside information on him. Also, John Park, the head of their analytics department now this year, he came over from the Colts too. He was there when they drafted uh, Shaq Leonard. He was he was there all the way up until this season. So just in terms of like having inside info in addition to the actual scouting they've done, I'm pretty sure that the Cowboys know exactly what they were getting into ahead of this meeting. 
And then once they actually met with him, that probably just kind of confirmed what they already thought they knew going into it. The fact that they let him walk out without a contract tells me that they probably, they didn't feel like they were necessarily desperate enough to add him for what they thought he might contribute. The Eagles, on the other hand, are very desperate because they completely botched their linebacker situation in the offseason. They let both their starters go. N'Kobe Dean hasn't lived up to the pre-draft hype. Even Zach Cunningham, who they brought in later, has not played well. They've struggled with pass coverage in their linebacker unit, and that's always been the weaker point for Leonard. He's more of a run stopper. So if the Eagles go out and get him, it's one, because they're kind of desperate for help there. And two, I don't really think he's going to be that good of a fit for them. Um, but, you know, Howie Roseman is definitely the kind of GM where he's going to throw everything at the wall, see what sticks. More often than not, it does. But I'm not really too concerned about if they do get him. The Nicobe Dean thing is an example of during the draft. Danny, I know you like to beat this drum. Um, when the Eagles land somebody that feels like a big name or went to Georgia or whatever, um, it doesn't always work out. You know, it often does, but it isn't always the case. Tony, Rudy says in the chat, would something have kept him in Dallas? Uh, and then Brian, everybody follow Brian on TikTok at Talk Cowboys, says Leonard would probably be our linebacker two or three. He would be linebacker one in Philly. That's kind of what this might wind up being about, Tony, is that the Cowboys don't have as pressing of a need. Philly might be more desperate. They might offer him more playing time and more money. And it's, in that sense, a pretty easy decision for Leonard to make. Yeah, from my understanding, though, the situation is pretty clear in the sense that, like, the Colts are on the hook for a lot of the money. So the money, and I think Jerry even alluded to the fact that it's not really a huge factor in this situation. It's really going to be about fit and where he wants to be and, and who can be the best salesman. I think Jerry Jones, I mean, has a clear advantage there when it comes to really anybody in the league. But what I think is not the Cowboys' fault and why this played out the way it did is I think Shaq Leonard had a preconceived notion that he was going to go ahead and take his time, and he had talked about going to see multiple places and kind of giving the due diligence. So I don't think that there's really anything Dallas could have did today to keep him within the building. I think what has been reported by the national people is uh, he wasn't. there's no plans for him to play this weekend. So I think he was going to take the weekend, figure out where he wants to be, and make a decision sometime this weekend. Um, with that being said, you know, the Cowboys got the first crack at it, which I think holds some type of weight, right? If you look at it and say this, you know, this may speak to something. It may speak to nothing. But, you know, he got them in the room first. They can always say, hey, we're the first team to really show some interest in you. I'm sure Philly will sell them, you know, a pipe dream. They're 10-1, and one and there's and there's different things that, you know, pluses and minuses when you look at both teams. But I actually don't even really necessarily believe that he would get more opportunity in Philly because when Zach Cunningham comes back from whatever that injury looks like, what is the role? for for a Leonard look like right like right now the Cowboys are paper thin and linebacker we have a safety who has been playing out of his mind coming down to play linebacker I think there is opportunity for to come in and make an impact it just comes down to where does he want to be and what does he value hmm. I think that's really well said by all of you uh, I tweeted this out earlier myself we always mention things that we tweet out because that's just the world that we live in um I know this isn't popular to say but the Cowboys have kind of earned the benefit of the doubt from me, and I would imagine at least the three of you on things like this. Um, their patience uh, can often be very frustrating, but 
they are generally right on these things. Uh, last year, they dabbled very publicly in the Odell Beckham Jr. waters, and they were proven to be right. Not that Odell sucks or anything this season for the Ravens, but he was not ready when they were having those conversations. And that was the big idea, the big premise behind what was happening at the time. And they weren't the only team to pass on Odell a year ago. The Giants did. The Bills did. Every team who was, quote unquote, desperate the way the Cowboys are for a linebacker right now uh, decided to pass on Odell. He came back, obviously. I do think this is something for us to kind of bookmark, though, uh, the same way that Dallas traded for Brandon Cooks in the following offseason after a year ago. They are obviously going to be in the, you know, at the linebacker spot. I don't think that's breaking news, obviously. Uh, but something to just kind of monitor moving forward. Uh, you all all did really well here uh, in terms of points. It is a double point night. So as we currently stand, Tony with the lead with 48 points, Hellman 44. Danny, sometimes the crowd just takes a while to get warmed up in the generosity department. And you went first. And so that's why you're sitting at 30 right now. Yeah, I just want to add one more thing to this uh, before Ooh. we move away from it. Cast the net. Uh, not not that I'm trying for more points here, but I do want to mention a couple things too. Is The other side of this too is like, if you're thinking about from the uh, Leonard side of it, is you know he's going to be playing for a contract next year, and he need, he wants to go to a place where there's going to be a lot of visibility. You know he's going to make decisions based on like who's going to be playing them the more postseason games. Who's where is he going to be able to shine more? Like I don't really think that's going to be Dallas in the sense of he's take could come in and and jump these other guys where I think there is that opportunity in Philly. And of course you know Hellman made great points about all the connections he has with the Cowboys, but you know Nick Sirianni was the coach and and. With the Colts, while when he was there, so I mean, there's some good. He love Frank Reich, but it's all know that. So, so I just feel like it just it just seems like it's obvious that it, it's going to be Philadelphia. And I just think that it just it makes sense from both sides, in my opinion. I also think it's obvious that um, not only it's going to be Philadelphia, but that people are going to freak out. Like it, it is going to be treated like the most you know Howie Roseman thing of all time. Like I mean, it. it I'm already kind of pre annoyed at that. Like they did with uh, Robert Quinn last year. Robert mm -hmm. Quinn, um, and I mentioned this on the, the mixtape that I talked about, the Ndamukong Sue and Linval Joseph signings got a lot of pop last year. Not that they were terrible for the Eagles, but they, they didn't like revolutionize it. They didn't win the Super Bowl, obviously. Um, so, you know, just context all over the place. Danny, I don't know if you have uh, yeah, I mean, Quinn, Quinn was absolutely invisible, to be honest. I mean, that was just nothing. That was a nothingness sign for them. I mean, everybody did go crazy. It was a it. trade. They didn't sign it. They traded oh, for it. Oh, trade, whatever. But it yeah. absolutely gave them nothing. I mean, Hammond. he was... Oh, sorry. I thought Hammond raised his hand. It you looks got... he's holding his hand up to like... Yeah, I know. You, you raised... You're either going to... No, I, I, I thought, I thought or, Danny was still making For point. distracting all of us. <laughs> I, I just wanted to add, since you brought up, uh, you know, Sirianni's love for Frank Reich, it's a shame the Eagles don't play the Panthers this year so that he has a chance to, like, rip his shirt off and, like, twirl it around his head after they beat up like this is for frank reich yeah um that remains one of the more interesting things of all time to happen um okay well that's our shaquille leonard discussion that was something that happened on tuesday something else that happened on tuesday and i think i speak for all of us in saying we have a universal football hatred for aaron Rodgers. obviously uh on a humanity level humanitarian level aaron Rodgers has set himself behind the eight ball over the, you know, over the course of the last few years. Um, so a lot of people have kind of joined us on this hill. But we kind of had to walk that back a little bit on Tuesday because our guy, Aaron Rodgers, who none of us have ever said anything disparaging about, went on the Pat McAfee show and defended Dak Prescott. Tony, I'm going to play this clip when you say that you are ready to go. Let's do it. You know, Tom had some comments about, Brady had some comments about some of the mediocrity in the game. And I just want to say... Dak is not who he was talking about. Okay. Um, 
for a number of reasons. But I just love that it, he's really playing the position. What I mean by that is I'm watching him make Ringo calls. So that's protection adjustments against these crazy looks and picking things up. I'm watching him, uh, you know, bring the tight end back in against a zero pressure and throw an old concept we used to run for a touchdown to CeeDee Lamb in the back end zone. I'm watching him use his cadence uh, beautifully and and uh, and get into this rhythmic here we go into like uh, dummy, using it as a dummy sometimes, doing it twice, into like other cadences. I mean, I've, the last four or five weeks I've gotten to see more of their games, and I just want to say like, He's playing a position in a really impressive way. And for whatever reason, maybe because he's the Cowboys quarterback and it's one of those premier positions in sports, um, like I feel like the Green Bay quarterback has been for a long time and some other you know, positions in, in various sports, he might take a little more shit than, than he deserves or, or maybe it's deserving of the position, I guess. But I love the way he's playing, and I love the way he's playing, like really playing. I'm not talking about just like, Oh, making good throws. I'm talking about, like, it seems more rare that guys are actually really playing a position where you're making adjustments, you're handling everything line of scrimmage. Now you're doing this crazy cadence stuff. Like, I love it. And I just want to shout out Dak for, like, really impressing me. Um, that multiple, Dak. Multiple yeah, times. Dak. Hey, man, Dak, he doesn't hear that a lot. No, he doesn't. Doesn't hear, get to hear that a lot. Uh-huh. Way to go, Dak. Here we go. Um... Apologies to those who listen in the car with uh, children because Aaron Rodgers doesn't recognize that this is a family show, as David Smith noted in the chat. Speaking of David Talman, I just realized that your background kind of looks like it's your hands, like when your arms are down. Um, I don't I don't know if Tony or, or Danny agree, uh, but it yeah. kind of looks like oversized hands. Okay, that are actually I, have a, yours. I have a question. Yeah, it's a strange uh, optical illusion. Um, you probably you and I. I think defend Mike McCarthy more than anybody. And I think we probably hate Aaron Rodgers more than anybody. So your thoughts on what Aaron had to say on Pat McAfee's show on Tuesday. Yeah. You know, when I, when I first saw the tweet come up where it's like Aaron Rodgers talking about Dak Prescott, like my, my instinct, like almost like a muscle reflex was like, keep my quarterback's name out of your mouth. And then I listened, I was like, Oh, like, you know, go on, you know, keep talking. Um, it, it really was like, you know, that, that meme of like heartbreaking the worst person, you know, just made a really good point. I saw and, you tweet that out. That was really funny. Yeah. And like that, that was like my initial reaction was like, he's, you know, he's saying good things about Dak and like the things he's saying are also very true. And and it's especially poignant because it comes from a guy who spent the first 13 years of his career in the same offense with Mike McCarthy. And of course there's all the debate about like, you know, uh, Mike McCarthy, was he carried by Aaron Rodgers? Well, Aaron Rodgers hasn't really done a whole lot as far as postseason success since McCarthy left Green Bay, he hasn't gotten to the Super Bowl yet. And even though McCarthy was the one holding him back, all that, yada, yada, yada. Um, but for for him to be talking about another quarterback that plays in that same offense with Mike McCarthy at his first year calling the plays again, um, and, and just telling him, you know, talking about like he's he's calling these kind of protections, he's running these same concepts that I've seen, and like he's doing it right, he's doing it the way he's supposed to. I think it really does mean just a little bit extra as opposed to just some other player saying that he's playing well because this is a guy that very much knows what he's talking about on the ins and outs of, of the scheme. And, you know, for, for all of us here in Cowboys land who have been saying like, that's been playing great the last few weeks. And, you know, of course other people, you know, they're, they're not going to give him credit until he goes and, and, you know, beats the 49ers, beats the Eagles, whatever. 
you know, wins a couple games in the playoffs, but for it to come from a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who generally has some, some capital built up, I think just from a football perspective, because people recognize him as a really great player. It, it means a lot. And it's nice to hear that recognition. I think that's well said. Also, I agree with Rudy um, that Aaron tried to put the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers in the same breath as the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, which was um, okay. Uh, But Tony, um, a lot of people dismiss anything positive when it comes to Dak, right? It's up. This season, it's haven't been the team above 500. He can't win the big games like this, that, whatever. Now it's to to Howman's point, like we can all think what we want about Aaron Rodgers, but nobody can deny his, his success as a football player, as a quarterback, as a cerebral player. But even that, like the, the hatred for Dak from the people who, who spew it is so pronounced that they're like, Oh, Aaron, Aaron has no idea. Like you, you, Aaron has no clue what I'm watching with my own eyes. I, Dak is only beating these tomato cans. Aaron sucks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right with that. But I also think that this may be a turning of the tide. I think somebody of Aaron Rodgers' stature may have people, you know, public perception because, you know, um, herd think, whatever it is, the everybody thinking the same thing is is pretty common. But I think if Aaron Rodgers shines light on the way that Dak Prescott plays, it might really change the way people view it because it's one thing for me to come on the round table and, and to be screaming the praises and how men, because, you know, people that really defend Dak Prescott who have never stopped defending him, um, it, it brings more merit when you got a guy who's a future Hall of Famer to come out of there, come on the show and, and speak about him in such a glaring manner. And he wasn't like prompt or promoted to, he like, he just did it in such a casual way. And to really break down the nuance of like, okay, I'm an elite level quarterback. I played this game at a high level and I respect the way that this guy is operating, not the way he's throwing the football, but the way he's controlling everything that comes into being a quarterback and how level and high level he's playing. I mean, there are 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. He could have spoken about anybody and he chose to stop and talk about Dak Prescott on the national stage. So um, I think if we sit here and, and Dak continues to play the way that we have seen him play, I think this could really be a turning point in the public perception. Now there'll always be some naysayers, but like the the absolute awful takes about Dak Prescott might slow down a little bit, start and move forward. Danny, I agree with Tony. Um, and in fact, Dak Prescott this time a week ago was, I believe, plus three thousand uh, to an MVP at DraftKings Sportsbook. That has since climbed and bounced around a bit from eight plus eight fifty to plus a thousand. But uh, the national perception has caught up a bit to kind of what we've been saying and believing here. Um, the Cowboys in their first five games at home this season have scored 205 points. Granted, some of that is Deron Bland and special teams. It's not all offense. Uh, but the last NFL team to score at least 205 points in their first five home games of a season was the 2014 Green Bay Packers, uh, one of Aaron Rodgers' MVP seasons. Obviously, Mike McCarthy was the play caller there. Um, we joke about how you're unwilling to give Mike McCarthy credit. It's amazing how Aaron spewed everything that he did and didn't offer a shred of credit to Mike McCarthy. Uh, you know, it's all Dak is incredible. But Oh, you, uh, you noticed that? Yeah, I mean, but this is something I say a lot to people is, you know, the Cowboys have won more regular season games in the last three years than anybody except, I believe, the Chiefs and the Eagles. Um, obviously, Dak Prescott's the highest graded quarterback in the NFL. Their offense is the highest scoring offense in the NFL. Like we, we can sit here and for days go through all these things. And so it cannot be true that the head coach sucks and the quarterback sucks. Like something has to be amazing or elite. Uh, and if you think the head coach sucks, then the quarterback has to be incredibly elite. He literally has to be Aaron Rodgers. And if you think the quarterback stinks, then the head coach has to be elite. But somehow, some way, now we're reaching a point where we're giving Dak Prescott all of this credit. And I'm a, a happy person about that, but Mike's not getting a piece himself. 
That's true. And I think I think what probably did it for a lot of people, I don't I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for myself. And I think what the biggest eye opener was the 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 Chargers game, because honestly, that was Dak putting the offense on his shoulders and making plays with his legs when the plays weren't there. And I think from that point on, it just started. I don't know if something clicked for McCarthy's like, you know what? He's better than what I'm you know, how I'm treating him because it just seems like we, every week thereafter, just Prescott became the quarterback that we once saw. And, you know, the, all the things that Aaron Rodgers is saying, it's great that he says that Aaron Rodgers is, you know, he's a fantastic quarterback. No question. One of my, used to be one of my favorite non-cowboy players for sure, but I'm kind of sour on him since he broke up with, uh, you know, Olivia Munn and uh, Danica Patrick and, Shailene Woodley. I mean, clearly, Shailene. I feel like it's Shailene. I really don't. I don't. Know. I don't even know what it is. No. But, uh, but clearly, his judgment is a little bit askew. So, but I will say what he said there. He's not saying anything that we didn't really already know. I, I mean, you know, we're calling out protections and the, the way he communicates at the line. This is Dak Prescott. This is what he does. So, I mean, it's great that people are giving him credit. And Prescott is is playing outstanding. The offense is putting up points. But I don't know that this is like a big surprise to us. We saw him do it in 2021, and we saw him do it, um, we've, you know, before the calf injury, and and we've seen this from him. We know he's capable of it. Um, as far as McCarthy getting credit, I think honestly, those guys, it just needs to. Have, I, I kind of McCarthy's kind of like simple Simon to me. He can really make things simple, easy, and do some things. But when you start to throw some things back at it, you need a little bit more complexity. Those are the times where I would prefer to have Kellen because Kellen is more complex and everything. So he, there, things are going great against the Carolinas and the New York Giants and the whatever. But when, I want to see how he does against the Niners defense and and you know some of the, and, and that's the thing is those things still need to be proved. And until that happens, it don't matter if McCarthy or Prescott. Nobody is going to get the credit they deserve because they have to win those games. How many? Um... I think you're the only person, no offense, Tony, who's like willing to come with me on the like, Mike deserves a, a bag. Of, like they can all get credit. Like we can give Dak his bag. We can give McCarthy his bag. Um, this is a convenient week to have the conversation about Kellen Moore because his offense had an opportunity against a very stout defense in the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday Night Football. And he floundered. We were all told by the national media that Kellen Moore with Justin Herbert was going to light up the NFL. And while I don't want to sit here and just hate all over the Chargers, um, right now, I mean, I don't, again, I don't think, Mike McCarthy gets enough credit for making the executive decision to say, look, Kellen Moore, there's a lot of good here, but I think it can be better if it has to be different. And so far through week 12 of the season, Mike McCarthy is right. Yeah, he's he's absolutely proven. Uh, I, I don't think he necessarily came out and said this, but you know, the, the impression that we all got at the time was that he kind of had the feeling that he's the more experienced coach. I mean, he definitely is the more experienced coach, but as far as being a play caller, he's got a better feel for how to adjust on the fly when, when things get sticky. And that's been the case this year. Um, I, on a, on some level, I agree with the simple Simon uh, analogy where, and I, I had this thought, you know, watching the chargers this past week was like, you know, Kellen Moore has all the really cool flashy plays. Like he, he has a bunch of really cool stuff in his playbook and then around all that, he's got like just stuff that's filler until he can get to the next cool play. You know, he, he has the the hook and lateral that he that he tried. He tried that so many times in Dallas, by the way, and it never worked. So I was happy to see it finally pay off in a game, one that everyone was watching. Um, that must have been really cool for him until they lost. Um, the difference with McCarthy is he doesn't necessarily have flashy plays, and except for those couple of times he broke out the Wildcat you know, last week. Um, 
but uh, and he smartly went away from that when it clearly did not work. But he doesn't have flashy plays. He just has plays that work, and they're all built off of each other. They all complement each other. It's he's he's more of an offensive coordinator. Keller Moore is more of an offensive play caller, and I think that's kind of where they were at. Where Moore, he's still very young. He's a very bright mind. No one can deny that. But he's still kind of figuring out what the offensive coordinator role actually entails. And McCarthy has been there. He's he's grown, he's developed, he's changed, he's evolved. And right now, him and Dak Prescott, I mean, Prescott said it after the game, like this is the most comfortable he's been in an offense, you know, in a very long time. And he's obviously playing great. Him and McCarthy really just at this point have a good feel for each other. I think the first few weeks they were kind of, you know, getting in sync a little bit as to be expected. But right now they've both hit their stride. They both deserve their credit. You know, obviously the, the quarterback's the one who makes the plays, but uh, you know, McCarthy is putting it in his hand. They have one of the highest early down pass rates. He's saying, Dak, you're playing on fire. Go out there, do your thing. And, and that's that's something that deserves recognition as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Tony, I wanted to talk about um, the narrative shifting on Dak from a national perspective, but I had to go to bat for Mike. So yeah, I had to take a detour for a moment. Um, I forget what it was, but you shared something on your Instagram story today uh, about Dak, and you said, don't let the star fool you. You know, he's obviously playing well. Um, and I think what Aaron said is fair uh, about how maybe it is fair for not Dak, but for whoever, you know, holds this position to take a little bit more heat because of the position. There are obvious pros that come with being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And so you can argue that a little bit more grief or hyperbolic analysis is fair, but it does seem like to Danny's point, a lot of people are seeing what we've been seeing for a long time. Like whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Nick Wright, or a lot of people who have been pro Dak Prescott, you know, for the course of the last six weeks, they're like, yeah, this dude's really good. And it feels like we're all here. Like, yeah, we know, like we we've seen this before. Uh, so some people are finally having the wool taken off of their eyes. Yeah, it's a culmination of things, right? Like when you talked about Mike McCarthy taking over for Kellen Moore, the number one thing they spoke about was how it became so quarterback friendly. And then you have a guy who's objectively a really good quarterback already, and you put him in a system that is cur- curtailed to what he does well and what the quarterback position is supposed to look like in this scheme. And he goes out there and he perfects it. Then you got a guy who's playing at an elite level statistically looks to be the best quarterback in football, you know, right now since week six, like nobody's playing the position better than Dak Prescott. So I think at one point in time with that, if you add the fact that the negativity almost got to like a fever pitch, whereas like it, it, it stopped making sense, right? Like the negativity around Dak Prescott reached a climax where people were like, wait a minute, we actually have national media guys saying like, this is a little too much. Like we got to pump the brakes a little bit. So I think when, when that hysteria came back down to earth, mixed with the fact that he's played out of his mind for a month plus now, it became unavoidable. So now it became, can you, can you still hold credibility and still talk bad about this guy. And it just wasn't possible. So yes, there is still room for, you know, you know how it is with a cowboy, the Cowboys quarterback and the Cowboys. If they beat Seattle Thursday, 
it, they're going to talk down the legitimacy of Seattle. If they lose, then it's the same old, same Cowboys. So at the end of the day, all you can do is just go handle business. And if your quarterback continues to play he, the way he does, you'll take care of the rest of it as it comes. We're about to talk about the Seattle game, but I like this comment from Zachary, who says, I think Mike deserves credit for listening to his players. I've seen on sounds of the sideline where Cooks had asked Mike McCarthy to put that play. He scored under the scheme for the week, and he did it. And Halman, before we get to Seattle, a lot of people mentioned this, right? A lot of people are like, oh, well, the Cowboys offense didn't really like take off the season until Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb offered some points of constructive criticism to Mike McCarthy. And people act like this makes Mike McCarthy some like fraud or loser. It's like, what a... What a horrible quality in the offensive play caller that he took feedback from the most talented players on the team and then listened and implemented it moving forward. Like what, what a loser for not having a plan in July that he has stuck to permanently that has worked flawlessly. Yeah. You know, the first thing that just pops into my head was a couple of years ago with Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, Brandon, I, coming in and like, there was this story about how like he was suddenly in the doghouse, like he wasn't getting reps in games. They weren't throwing to him. And it came out that like IU could approach Shanahan and said like, Hey, I want to be a bigger part of the offense. And he was kind of like, no, you got to earn your spot. Like, like, who do you think you are? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even going to play you now because of that. And he had to like re earn his reps. And then once he gets in the game, guess what happens? He makes big plays. He's, you know, now people are talking about, he might actually be better than Debo Samuel. He's been a very, very good receiver this year. And it's like the complete opposite with Mike McCarthy, where like players come to him and say, hey, I think like things would be better if I had a bigger role. And he says, yeah, you know, let's let's take a look at that. And then with CeeDee Lamb, they started feeding him more. He absolutely produced. And that opens things up for Brandon Cooks, who wants more. And so then they give it to Brandon Cooks. And, you know, uh, even, you know, Jalen Brooks, who's been mostly doing work on special teams. McCarthy mentioned a couple of weeks ago, like Brooks has been doing great on special teams. So they started giving him some more snaps on offense. You know, he hasn't had like, you know, absolutely dominated a game, but he's produced when they've thrown his way. So he's, you know, he, he's a coach that's willing to take that input. And uh, especially because that was one of the kind of criticisms levied at him at the end of his tenure in Green Bay. It's nice to see, one, that he listens to his players because the players like that. And two, that he's willing to evolve and change his approach. Like that should be a good thing that you want in a coach. Mm, interesting how it isn't. That's the way things roll sometimes. <laughs> All right. An update on the score as we have a little bit of the show left to go. Uh, Tony, you're at 118. Howman, you are in the lead at 122. Danny, um, well, you're the caboose right now at 110. How's it feel? It feels fine. And I wanted to add one more thing. I'm not done Ooh. with this McCarthy thing. Um, oh. So I uh, first off, I do agree that you know I one of my favorite things about him is that he does evolve and he does listen. And certainly the adjustments he's made has been fantastic. But I kind of feel like... You guys, I know maybe not Tony, but you guys remember the Office episode, the Willy Wonka episode? <laughs> I, I, I feel like, you know, it's kind of like things were going great. The Cowboys offense was just killing it. Everyone's happy. You know, McCarthy's like, yeah, you know, it's it's my idea. And then when things aren't going so well, it's like he'd like, oh, Kellen Moore got all the blame. And uh, it's, but then you look at things and, and he goes in there in the beginning of the season. You guys talked about deserving credit. If we all can agree that Dak Prescott was never the problem then who was the problem when things were not when things were terrible early and i kind of feel like when he his his idea of running the ball we're going to run the ball we're going to you know we're a defensive team when they realized that that was just a bad idea what does he do he shifts it again and now they're doing the things that they were doing before with they were throwing the ball so it's just to me it's kind of like yeah it's great but I feel like I've seen this movie before, you know, and, and Mike McCarthy wasn't the star of it. So 
I, I, I don't care who's doing it as long as the Cowboys offense continue to have the success. I know that Dak Prescott is a good quarterback, so there's nothing to be needed to be revealed there. McCarthy is the one that still has to prove things to me. So it's great now, but will it be great when it matters against tough teams? How many you raise your hand? Well, I mean, I think it's funny to say that the offense was terrible those first few weeks. Obviously, it wasn't as great as it has been, but they were still by efficiency metrics, they were a top 12 team. They were they were not at the level that they're at right now, but they were they were moving the ball. They had trouble scoring in the red zone. They've since fixed those red zone issues. Nobody seems to talk about the red zone anymore, but they've got one of the best red zone offenses in the NFL the last few weeks. And also about like running the ball. Like, yeah, they had a lot of rushing attempts. They were crushing most of those games. Their early down pass rate, which filters out those garbage time plays, they were still in the top 10 in early down pass rate. Like they were throwing it when they were actually in the game and trying to score and trying to move the ball a lot. And, you know, they, they've significantly upped it since then, but he still wasn't, you know, this, this run heavy, you know, run first kind of guy established the run that people made him out to be when you had that sound bite that got taken way out of context. So like, uh, sorry about the giant hands. <laughs> I, I can't help it. Um, but I mean, the offense was not as good as it was now, but that's because they're playing at a supernova level and they were playing just, just good, which is still, you know, it, just good is good. Um, so I don't think that it's a, it's an overreaction to say that they were just terrible. Like they were still playing well, they were moving the ball and they were still putting the ball in Dak Prescott's hands, just not as much as they are now. My point isn't as profound or as significant as Hellman's, but um, to give Mike McCarthy a slight benefit, which again, is not a popular thing uh, to do. Um, I mean, everybody remembers that he obviously didn't coach in 2019, took the year off and like built his barn and like his PFF mansion or whatever. He, he was watching Cowboys games. Right. Well, so he got fired before the 2018 season ended. Like, so, I mean, we're talking about it had been over four years since he'd called plays. I mean, you know, because obviously Kellen Moore had done it. And so, and I think, you know, what I give McCarthy a lot of credit for is building a team and building a culture. I think you would agree with this, Danny, that is a consistent playoff team. And, and so he, you know, I'm not saying the Cowboys treated the first, you know, five weeks of the season like a glorified preseason. But I mean, again, I think the Cowboys were figuring out who they were going to be. Like they didn't come out, you know, this smooth and this fluid because it took some time to kind of figure things out, figure out how Brandon Cooks worked in the offense, figure out what Tony Pollard was like. And I would also offer the first five weeks of the season, they were down an offensive lineman or two like every week. So, I mean, there was some shifting happening all over the place and it took some stabilization to see the final product. Very possible. And I'm, I'm hoping that that what you're saying is actually why things are so different. And, but I, I feel like I, d I didn't think he came out with a very good plan. And I think that you, you need to approach these games like, you know, I know he's playing the long game here, and that's great. But you know, if you're eight and three, and you're looking at the five seed, I mean, that's you don't. There's not a lot of margin to. to there's no reason the Arizona game should have happened. You know, there's there's things that that that's happened early in the season. That's, I mean, it's. I just don't have a lot of uh, tolerance for it. I guess now is he redeeming himself? He is. I mean, the, the what what's happening in Hellman knows this too. Is I mean, the offense looks way better, and it's and you got to credit him for doing the things like I mean feeding CD so much. I mean, that's just, I mean, that guy is just working him a lot. They're, they're not forcing the run. Like, you know, he was said he was going to do and they're and they're finding other ways to kind of get those short stuff. I, I'm pleased with everything that they're doing. I just want to, I, I, at the same time with the, the talent they have, I, this is what I expect. I'm not like, he's not like, Oh, surprising me. And, and 
overperforming. To me, this is what I expect from. Maybe I have high expectations because I do believe in the roster building of this team. I do believe in Dan Quinn. I believe in all these other things and the talent of Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb. And maybe that's just my expectations are too high, but he's just doing what I expect him to do, finally. Uh, Tony, before we move on, I promise we're getting to the Seattle game. Thank you, Brian, for the super chat. Uh, says, for anyone who has had a job with a normal manager, most managers don't listen to their players because they are afraid they will get the credit instead of the manager. It's good to see a manager listen to the trenches. And Tony, Michael McCarthy's been through an incredibly humbling process, obviously getting fired, uh, not just in general, but as a Super Bowl winning head coach uh, from one of the NFL's Tiffany brand franchises, and then losing a very public PR battle to Aaron Rodgers, the big Bleach Report story and the massages and all that stuff. And I'm, he's he isn't somebody who is seemingly starving for credit. He is he is seemingly always willing to kind of allow whoever it is to thrive and shine instead of him. I mean, a lot of people, you know, would be threatened by what Dan Quinn offers in terms of public perception. But Mike McCarthy doesn't seem to be. Yeah. And to that point, I believe it was Dan Quinn who came to Mike McCarthy at one point and was like, do you want me to take a job? Like, is this becoming too like too loud a noise with the two of us here and you know am I a distraction so I think you're absolutely right I think understanding what the bigger picture is and you get a little longer in the tooth and what your motivations early on may not exactly be your motivation now where I think he's appreciative of the situation he's in I mean he's the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys which speaks volumes to you know a resume booster if, if nothing else and then you look at the fact that he's been successful two 12 and five seasons well on their way to do it possibly again, third year in a row. And from the Jason Garrett days, I mean, we always talked about playoffs back to back season. were not guaranteed. It almost felt like you were hoping to get back after you lose or get eight wins. So just the consistency, even though it hasn't reached, you know, a pinnacle and hasn't gotten over the, over the hump here, you feel good about what he's doing. I think some of that comes from learning in the humility, humility he's moving with now. All right, so let's get to the Seahawks game as we take a look at the Cowboys' schedule. Uh, so begins um, the opportunity to prove that they are somebody who can beat teams that are above 500. Tony, by the way, uh, the conversation on Friday morning, if the Cowboys beat the currently 6-5 and five Seahawks, will be about how they did not beat a team above 500, despite the fact that Seattle was above 500 when Dallas beat them. But uh, these are the five remaining games for the Cowboys, as our visual audience can see. Seattle at home, Philadelphia at home at Buffalo, at Miami, Detroit at home, Jimmy Johnson's Ring of Honor Day, and then at Washington uh, to round it out in Week 18 in a game that might prove to be inconsequential as far as playoff seeding is concerned. I wrote about this this week, Hellman, uh, at our site. I did a video as well. I've talked about this a lot, obviously, in the weeks leading up to this, about how this game against Seattle could have the potential to be the most significant one remaining on the schedule as far as playoff implications are concerned. I believe that to be the case, given the fact that Philadelphia has not lost any of the games from their own gauntlet. Philadelphia could lose on Sunday to San Francisco. They're favored to do so. They could lose next Sunday at AT&T Stadium. They're favored to do so. And when they get on the plane to head back to Philadelphia next Sunday night, they would still be in first place in the NFC East, even if Dallas beats Seattle on Thursday night. And their schedule, obviously, down the road is much friendlier than the Cowboys because of Buffalo, Miami, and Detroit. So that being said, David Hammond, we'll start with you. True or false, Thursday is the biggest remaining game of the season for the Cowboys. Well, I'm, I'm looking at my uh, coach speak bingo, and it tells me that I'm close to a bingo if I say that the most important game of the year is the one that's up next on the schedule. Um, so uh, I, I have to give credit to that. But but I, I do think – I don't know if I'm, I'm ready to go ahead and say true on this, um, that it is the biggest remaining game just because I think they stand to gain a lot more, obviously, from beating the Eagles and, and at least splitting that series. 
Um, they also stand to gain just in terms of, well, one, common opponents, but also just general experience and like proving that they can beat these teams if they play, you know, and win against the, the Bills on the road, Miami with how good they've been this year, and then Detroit even after, you know, blowing the game to the Packers on Thanksgiving. But but I think those are the really the ones where we're going to look and, um, you know, if, if they lose one of those games, it doesn't really matter if they beat Seattle and, and Philly. Like, you, you need so much to go right just from the Eagles losing games for them to still have a chance at winning the division, but they also can't slip up. So those are the, really the challenges. I'm not saying Seattle's not a challenge. Like they, you know, that's a team that can get frisky. They got to take them seriously. And, and I like their chances against Seattle, but uh, I, I'm really looking at those other three games and as well as the Eagles game to where that's really going to determine one, whether or not obviously they, they get the number one seed of the division win. Um, but really if they can beat those teams, especially on the road, that's going to tell you what they can actually do in the playoffs, even if they are a fifth seed and having to play every playoff game on the road. Danny Phantom, Kevin says, realistically, it's time to admit we're playing for the five seed now. The New York Times playoff simulator has the Eagles with a 94% chance to win the NFC East. Um, it would take something improbable, maybe them losing with Seattle themselves, maybe dropping one of those Giants games, maybe Kyler Murray propelling the Cardinals to beat them as well. Uh, obviously, it, anything is possible. But I do think it's fair to suggest that this is the most likely path to the playoffs with the Cowboys. And that being said, they are currently the five seed. Seattle is currently the sixth seed. So Dallas cannot clinch a playoff berth on Thursday night with a win, but they can effectively clinch one. And they can pick up that head-to-head -head tiebreaker if that comes into play against Seattle specifically because if the Cowboys are a wildcard team, we all want them to be the five seed so they can face the winner of the NFC South. Yeah, I agree with everything. And I think that, I mean, you, you even know this more so. I mean, I pretty much thought they were the five seed prior to, I mean, this I've, I've kind of locked into this to me. For me, when we did not win the, the game in Philadelphia, I think basically everything kind of, things kind of sunk for me. That was, the, that's a kick in the stomach that I have still not recovered for. So I'm kind of already in them. I mean, there's been some hope with the with games against Kansas city and Buffalo that it seemed like there was a chance, but with that now over and done with it's over. I mean, we're looking at the five, and not only are we looking at the five, but I mean, you're right. We can deliver the blow all, and, and for all intents and purposes, just, you know, lock down the five. But I feel like that we're locking down anyway, because honestly, who's going to catch us? It's does it's I mean, we're we're a couple games ahead of them. I feel like the Cowboys, unless they just go on some type of skid, we're not going to drop the five. So really, the Cowboys should just kind of like, you know, keep keep going as much as, as, as much as they can. I do agree that um, that some of the bigger games against Philly, not just Philly, but Miami, we want, we want to see them beat good teams and even Buffalo, which I know people are kind of down on Buffalo right now and stuff. I think they're those losers who do who offer no help. I, I know you especially uh, are down yeah. on them, but I, I still, to me that that's a good win, you know, I, in, for the Cowboys. So I want to see them come away and beat those teams. Uh, the, those are bigger. Seattle. I mean, come on, what's Seattle? What's Geno Smith? I, I, I mean, what should we really be, that you know, psyched about beating the Seahawks? Uh, no, so no, it's definitely not the biggest game uh, by any means. But I, I, at the same time, I'm kind of already settled into the five, and I'm looking at uh, looking at little paths that are like favorable, and there and there might be. And so there's still there's still a silver lining for you know finishing maybe with the second best record in the NFL and having to play a road wild card game. 
Tony, we've got two false answers. Do you uh, want to go out on an island? Uh, I guess it wouldn't because I think it is the biggest game. And and to be clear, my point is from a implication standpoint. I get the narrative that you all are pushing about beating a team with a winning record. I think Miami fits that bill a little bit more. Because uh, even if Dallas beats Philly, Tony, we know they can do that. Like, that wouldn't shock anybody. Like, Miami would be kind of a bit of a different measuring stick. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually going to be true and, and kind of ride with you I'm here. Because I, I think every game... Every you're gonna say this, right? Like Hellman said, it's coach speak. Every game is the most important game, but you know, we what we know about the Cowboys, whether it's real, legitimate, or too much stock in it, not enough stock in it, they, they're an emotional team, right? So I think they understand what the narrative is. And you can hear Micah Parsons talking about it on his show one day, I'm sure, where they say, Okay, they haven't beaten a team with a 500 record, they can go ahead and shut that up on Thursday night, right? Whether whatever you think about Seattle, the facts are the facts is they have a winning record. So if you can go ahead and handle that, that's one thing off the you know, off the list. You can you can see J. Ron Curse tweeting about it saying, like, oh, what now? Now. like what are you guys gonna say about us okay we beat them well team. actually they would be 500 if we beat them that's that yeah. would be the conversation on friday morning like you've just you know, signed like that's the programming for every national talk yeah on but when they step on the field thursday they'll have a winning record so and then you put them in that 500 so i i can't even really understand that point of view but um my point is you win that game you handle it then they are an emotional unit right we've seen that you know they get too too hyped up and they get steamrolled by the 49ers. It almost looked like the game was the moment was too big for them, and that, that's concerning. But in the same sense, if they go ahead and handle this and say, okay, you guys can't say that about us anymore. And then they host Philadelphia and say, you know, we were six yards away from beating a team that's 10 and 1 and possibly 11 and 1 by the time, you know, we see them again. Uh, we can beat this team and then they go ahead and they find an emotional reason to beat Philadelphia and then you keep it moving. And and the reality of the situation is they're going to have to take every single game with that type of feeling because this schedule is tough. Like I know that everyone's down on, on the Buffalo Bills, but I have a huge amount of respect for the talent they have. Josh Allen. I know Miami can you know light the scoreboard up. Detroit is Hamlin's second favorite team. So there's, there's really a good amount of like, this is a scary stretch here. And if, if things spiral out, it could go ugly. And I'm not saying it could go like real bad, but there's a chance that things may change completely about how we feel about this team going forward. Um, okay, so Tony agrees with me. So in that sense, he's the most right here. Um, you all have inspired one final question that wasn't on our initial rundown. We're going to get to it anyway because we have a little bit of extra time. So that being said, uh, we were all really bummed when the uh, Bills lost in Philadelphia. We were all really bummed when Kansas City lost to the Eagles last week on Monday Night Football. It has been extremely annoying. So that being said, we'll start with you, Danny Phantom. How confident will you allow yourself to feel if Dallas wins on Thursday and Philadelphia loses to San Francisco on Sunday, you can contextualize this however you want with a number, with a word. Floor is yours. No, not at all. I mean, I, I expect that, that wouldn't improve happen. your confidence at all. No, I expect that to happen. Uh, I mean, I don't. I mean, I, to me, San Francisco is the best team in the league, and I Philadelphia doesn't scare me. I, I think that they're comparable. They're they're a good team. I give them the credit. Uh, I, I'm more worried about San Francisco myself. I expect the Niners to beat them. I will be shocked if they don't, uh, to be honest. And so, I mean, where, where am I going to be if that happens in the same spot? You know, trying to co help cope, realizing we're going to be in the five spot. That because it's that's that's what's going to happen. So, I mean, it'd be a different story if you the, the Eagles would lose a game to where. We're talking about them losing again. That's literally what we're well, talking about happening. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Lose another game. I mean, this this I've already count, counted on this loss. You know, I'm counting on this loss and I count on the Cowboys beating them. That if those two things happen, we still don't control our own fate. 
So, I mean, we need help. I mean, it might be the Giants that have to help us to have any chance at, at winning division. I mean, if I'm being serious when I say that. That's really the best path for the Cowboys now. So, will I feel more confident? No, I, I think that's exactly how it's going to go, and I will feel no different. Tony, kind of yeah, I, for me, I, w- I don't think I would change either, to be honest with you, because I, I said it last week and I got to stay consistent. Like, I'm far less worried about what the Eagles are doing. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to root against them every single week. But, like, I'm more worried about what's on our plate and handling the business we got to handle because it would be classic Cowboys, classic Cowboys to lose Thursday and then watch the Eagles lose to the 49ers and make up no ground, and it does us no good. So if you don't handle business on Thursday night, what the Eagles do doesn't matter. And I will sit here and say, obviously, it's frustrating they lost to the Bills. And, I mean, they beat the Bills, and they beat Kansas City. And every week I'm going to root against them, but every week they find a way to win, and it, that's tough. Um, Howman, I'm not going to ask you this question. I'm going to flip it around just a little bit. Um, Kevin says, so if we're conceding that we're playing for the five seed, are we then rooting for Philly to take the one seed? If, say, Detroit won't, would rather go to Philly than San Francisco. In that respect, maybe you would want to see Philadelphia win on Sunday Helmet. Well, I think this week is like kind of a zero-sum proposition for Cowboys fans because you're either rooting for the Eagles to win or you're rooting for the 49ers to win, and neither of those feels really good. Like I I feel gross about the fact that I'm going to be rooting for the 49ers in that game and and you know, with all the history that these two teams have, like I don't want to be in that position. So it is it is a tough spot. Um, you know, I personally I'll still be rooting for the Eagles to lose just because I want to win the division. I want home field, especially because of how good the Cowboys have been at home you know, these last couple of years. Like I think that just that fact alone, you know, being able to play at home throughout the playoffs just dramatically increases their odds of making it all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, so I'm still gonna hold out hope until that's mathematically eliminated. Um, as, as far as like, would you rather go to Philly or San Francisco? I mean, I, I think if, if your goal is to get to the Super Bowl, you're probably going to have to go both of those places. Or to me, it really doesn't matter which order, whether, whether you have to go to Philadelphia and win and then go to San Francisco and win or, you know, vice versa. Um, I mean, either way, you gotta, you gotta go on the road and you gotta win a game. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not really considering that possibility. I'm just hoping that, that things break their way. Um, you know, lose to the 49ers, lose to the Cowboys. And then, you know, I mean, they, they play the Giants who have won two games. Tommy DeVito starting to look a little confident. Wouldn't it be like peak NFL chaos for Tommy DeVito to take them down or the Kyler Murray and the Cardinals? Like the Cardinals are a better team than they were. When Jonathan they For the Jonathan Gannon to ruin the one season Jonathan for Gannon the Eagles. To ruin, once again, two years in a row, ruin the Eagles' chances. That, that would be so poetic. So I, I don't, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying – it could happen, and it would be peak NFL chaos if it happened that way. Um, okay. This was a good, fun discussion. I think you all performed very well. Uh, Watsamata, I saw you join the chat, saw your notifications, didn't let you know that we were flying when we were. Uh, if only we flo- flew at the same time every week. You know what I mean? That would you know, uh, maybe help you out, Watsamata. But Watsamata, you missed out. It was a double points night, and the points have been calculated. I've been doing a lot of mental math, um, so shout out to me. Uh, Danny, who do you think won? I don't know, RJ. I, I, I really, it's kind of uh, scary to think about you having to keep track of all this math. You know, I um, I won number sense in UIL uh, when I was oh. in middle school. So, really? I mean, this is kind of my strong suit. I'm not trying to brag or anything. I mean, you know, 
I can tell you what, you sure as hell didn't win, Danny. Jeez. <laughs> uh, so that being said, the points are in. Tony Catalina with a re- – actually, you all broke a record. We had a record-setting night here, all three contestants north of 200 points. But, Tony, you had the most at 218. Congratulations. How are you feeling, Tony? This is, as Jim Nance said, this is history. This has never been done before, just like Deron Bland. This is a powerful moment, man. Every time I win the round table, it's just a beautiful moment. <laughs> you notice Chris Halling went silent, Tony? Like since he you started to pick up all these points. I, I knew I, mean, I knew he was he wasn't around when Howman threw the Jalen Brooks comment and he didn't comment back. So I wow. that's what I knew he was gone. Tony, the, the peripheral vision is on fire here. I mean, you're just <laughs> seeing everything, you're feeling it. You are Dak Prescott at the line of scrimmage, completely and totally in control. Howman, a fantastic effort, but just just shy. How's the silver medal feel? You know, I, I was fishing for points from Chris with that Jalen Brooks comment. I, I think I, I don't want to blame anyone, but I'm thinking if he had given me some love for that, that would have pushed me over with how close this ended up being. Uh, Tony Watsamata, who was here late, said, Tony, again, I see that I have missed nothing lately. The praise for Tony. Ethan, Danny, wants to let you all know that you're all winners. So do you feel that way, Danny? Fenton? You know, I've already conceded that I'm going to take the wild card spot. So I'm I'm fine with it, and honestly, after uh, throwing down the deviled eggs last week, I think Tony deserves it for sure. So there was times today where I actually forgot Tony was here, uh, but I, no, I do think that it's well deserved. So congrats, Tony. David Smith noted that it was the giant hands that did you in, Howman. I wanted to get that comment read out loud for the audio-only audience. Uh, We timed this very well because I mentioned at the very beginning here that our Madden simulation this week was running in the background. It just ended. And let me say as a proper tease, it was pretty thrilling. Uh, So let's just leave it at that. Uh, That will drop on uh, Wednesday here on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. Tony, as we leave, um, you told us last week that you love the Grinch, the Mm -hmm. Jim Carrey version. Um, I was inspired by the Christmas discussion, and I tweeted out uh, a few days ago, what is a Christmas movie in your mind that is a non-conventional Christmas movie. It's like a movie that reminds you of Christmas. I've been asking people this left and right. I did it on the mixtape as well. So like, it can't be The Grinch. It can't be Home Alone. It can't be Jingle All the Way. But like, what puts you in a Christmas mood, Tony Catalina? We'll go around the bend here one time. I mean, I'm going to say the, the the cliche answer everybody says is Die Hard, right? <laughs> it doesn't count. Take, take his title <laughs> away. Take his Tony, title away. Jeez, man. <laughs> I mean, I ha- I got to think of another Home Improvement episode that I like. <laughs> Howman, please um fix this because that was uh um Tony, you always make me regret having you in. Always <laughs> I know it's not good. I'm not a gracious winner. Uh I, I think I'll I'll go this is definitely unconventional. I'll go with the shining because all, all the snow, you know, like the kind of the remote. Jack Nicholson okay. wears a lot of sweaters. Feels Christmassy. Okay, so we've got the super original answer of Die Hard. Uh, we've got The Shining. Danny Phantom, I think you're going to have a solid answer here. Uh, I'm going to disappoint you yet again, RJ, because um, honestly, to me, for like, I just, I pick a movie that just kind of, where I just, I'm sitting there and, you know, kind of lazily just watching TV and it just feels warm to me, just a comfortable, familiar. So, I mean, I, I, I think any type of Spielberg type of 80s type whether it's E.T. or Goonies or something like that, or I would say Gremlins, but actually that does happen during. That Christmas was a common time. answer. I got I got that answer a lot. Uh, oh really? On my tweet, I, yeah. 
Yeah, well, I don't know what qualifies as not a Christmas movie, and uh, I don't attempt to define those these days. But uh, I just any kind of movie that's just kind of makes you feel warm and, and it kind of brings back that memories, you know, when you were younger or something. So that's that's my answer. So I think that's a really good answer because I I would also offer that's on like fx or abc family like in the background of the family get together like on the tv uh, so that's a really good answer danny fenton really good kind of category to like throw a blanket around um i'm actually going to say that chris holling did win tonight's roundtable because he stole my answer when i tweeted this out i had a movie in mind and it was spider-man no way home uh which tony i'm sure you haven't seen uh but uh the movie took place kind of around christmas and um I don't want to spoil it for somebody who hasn't seen it, but I feel like at this point it would be safe. I'm going to try to avoid that. But like there's a nostalgic, in, like an incredibly nostalgic tie-in and there's a scene at the very end that is incredibly Christmassy. Uh, so yeah, it kind of checks your boxes, Danny Phantom. I, a lot of the movies I was given um, either took place at Christmas or movies that people watched at Christmas. So I guess The Shining is kind of yours, Hellman, um, in terms of being a personal one. I would also offer Back to the Future. I got that for Christmas when I was a kid and I watched it forever. Hey, Spielberg uh, produced that. Hey, I mean, he did. I, that same Christmas, I got Mr. Deeds. Uh, so maybe Mr. Deeds qualifies as a Christmas movie as well. Uh, Tony, as we leave, please give us your best Grinch voice. Oh, man. It's <laughs> um, only right, your favorite. One. Yeah, you said it was your favorite. Like, so, I mean, like, this should be easy. You're a mean one. No, RJ. that's not him. That's the narrator. What <laughs> Uh, that's that's all I got for you. That's what came to my mind. 